Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Lauren. And you're listening to Podcast Podcast. The podcast that talks about how great podcasts are. How self-obsessed. <laughs> It's like kicking me into joy mode. Seriously, uh, one second ago I was like, like work, and then now look where we are. No, you're, really, you're a busy little case. bee at work right now, and I'm glad that you could make the time. Oh, well, do we have any shunuts? I considered yes, um, because I introduced this new segment last time called yes, "You Did What the Zeitgang." <laughs> In your eternal quest to push the zeitgang on yeah. everyone yes for, yeah so every kidding. every no seriously it's just you <laughs> but every single of my favorite and dj Joey's favorite podcast is the daily zeitgeist yeah and eric is not so much a fan i say, i so appreciate the content but i'm a reluctant um frequent listener yes is that yeah, fair to say? Reluc- yes 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 yeah. a reluctant ever listener maybe. yeah okay mm-hmm. unless i'm forcing <laughs> well, yeah, that's you that's true i yes yes so true. i am gonna try to get clips to change your mind yes and so last week you explained the setup was i'll tell you at the beginning where sort of my head is at on a scale of one to 10 is like how much I'm interested in listening to the daily zeitgeist. And then at the end of the clip, I'll also tell you the rating in hopes that it kind of grew. Yes. Is that right? And I think we're like at an eight last time. I was at an eight post clip, but you know, I think you said eight and a half. We I might have, have said eight and a half. Track of this? But you know, post like given some time and some air, you know, I probably dropped to like a seven. Cause I'd you missed say. Yeah. Cause you missed it. Yeah. 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 Okay. I feel like that was a pretty strong clip too. So, and I went back and forth with what to present to you, but um, this, um, I, I, uh, my clips are a little Christmassy. I love that. So, um, this is from Bolton, not fluent in empathy, and Rudolph the Red Nosed Victim. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you love it? I I love it already. So good. Um, but they're talking about the animated Christmas classic Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, Mm -hmm. and how people are like watching it again and be like whoa this, this movie was actually like super depressing and weird and oh, dark huh and it's it's interesting and i they dive into that and it's really funny and they do this a lot they revisit things that make us look at it in a new way something mainstream or in pop culture so really quickly the daily zeitgeist. guys it's amazing how mean santa is to everybody Oh, I was going to say, how dare Rudolph think he's better than everybody? I know. No, it's actually not that. Rudolph, it's just nonstop bullying that goes completely unacknowledged. Like, not, you know, there's the bullying from the reindeers who are like, no, Rudolph, fuck you. Your nose is red. But Santa bullies everybody around him. Like, the elves, at one point, Santa's like stressed out because Christmas is coming up. And for some reason, they've made the decision that Santa doesn't deal well with stress in this uh, <laughs> show. And so the elves try and sing him a Christmas song to get him in the mood. And much like Katie, uh, he's no fan of Christmas music. Yeah. And they're like, hey, did, did, did you like it, Mr. Santa? And he goes, <laughs> it needs work. Now I've got to go. And like storms <laughs> out. And then later he's eating dinner with his wife. And she's like, you're not eating your food. And he's like, I can't can't eat because of how bad that stupid elf song was like he's oh. just oh, like he sounds like a monster he is a sh- fucking human also, monster and it's also like a good illustration of how like a toxic person like that can spread to everyone else because mm-hmm. when rudolph is born santa looks at him and is like 
oh my God, I hope that nose goes away. And then his dad is there and bullies him for the rest of Rudolph's life and is like, hide your Wait, nose, who's Rudolph. Dad? Rudolph's, Rudolph's dad. dad. Ru- Rudolph's dad guess... makes him wear a black thing over his nose. And oh. Rudolph's dad isn't a magical reindeer that can fly? Or is I, he I one forget. of the others? I don't know. Well, maybe I don't if Rudolph's exactly dad wasn't works. working with all those unsafe chemicals, make building <laughs> toys, and maybe his child would have a birth defect, Santa. Maybe just look at the working conditions in your workshop. Also, Santa in this his claymation form looks like a character from Duck Dynasty. Yes. Or something he like that. He does. Just like with his beard and like oh, he yeah. has angry ass he... eyebrows. <laughs> I like their um like characterizations of Santa in the film. You get the summary, but it's right, if you remember. Like it is pretty Pretty I, adequate summary of the film. I'll have to go back and revisit. Um, but this was a n- did not feel broy. B was not political, so it was like didn't stress me out. And C was pretty funny, so I, I'll I'll give it a point. I'll climb from seven to eight. Okay, I yeah. like where we are. Yeah. I was not as sure about that one, so I feel good. Yeah, it's not like a passionate like oh I'm no like diving up to ten, but no, like no, it's no. like oh yeah okay good. Like I, I could like listen that. to this, yeah. and it like made me happy, and yeah. like okay. Good I'm work. writing it down this time. <laughs> We're at an eight. Oh, good idea. Write it down so that we won't forget next time. Love it. Do you have any other show nuts? I don't. Do you? Heck to the no. Oh, my God. Then let's move on to the the juicy part. Uh, should we start with your favorite segment, podcast challenge? challenge. <laughs> yes, we shall. This is the segment where we challenge each other to listen to an episode or a certain podcast that either we really like and want to share or think the other one will like. So last week, you challenged me to... A real bummer of a podcast. <laughs> it actually wasn't. So you challenged me to The Argument, which is, uh, it. they describe it as the news tells you what's going on, but not what to make of it. Every week, New York Times opinion columnists Ross Douthout, do, do that, whatever, Michelle Goldberg and David Lennart explain the argument from each side of the political spectrum so you can decide where to stand and how to persuade the opposition. So... I'll give it to you. Like, it sounds like it could be a nightmare. Like, people with opposing political viewpoints talking about political things. Like, sound like it could be like Fox News. It could be some shouting or match on TV. On Fox News, they're all on the same it's, side. Never it's mind. More like, it's more like a CNBC or something mm-hmm, where they're all mm-hmm. just like sitting on a panel and shouting. And you're like, no, you're, no one's changing anyone's mind. What is happening? Right. But, okay, the episode I listened to was the latest episode, which is called How to Survive the Holidays Without an Argument. Apropos. Very perfect. No. Very perfect. I mean, personally, I just left the country. <laughs> yeah. You just, weren't fighting with Alan about gay kidding. rights. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so they first discussed the value of a third. The beginning of the episode was they, they talked about third party. Like how, how much is it valuable? And of course, it became a total abstraction because like, you know, we're weighing the merits of what, like whether it works in a real political system like now or whether it's like a third party in some idyllic fantasy political system, right? So it's like, it's kind of too abstract to really talk about. And of course, the third party would be good as far as like differing ideas and options for people. But as it stands, they only split the votes and put people into office without the majority of votes, right? Um, they did bring up instant runoff voting, which I didn't know was a thing in American politics. So I definitely learned something. Um Instant runoff voting is the system where voters rank candidates in order of preference, and then ballots are initially calculated for the top pick, and then losing candidates. So it has to be when there's two or when there's more than two. Mm-hmm. 
losing candidates are redistributed until one candidate is the top choice. So, for example, in the 2016 general election, they would have counted the second place votes of voters whose top choice was Jill Stein or Gary Johnson. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of didn't know that I we use that. that sometimes. No, it's that's one of those terms that you always hear and you're like, yeah, yeah, I know what that means. And then if someone asks you, like, nope, yeah, why was no, it wrong? Huh. Yeah, okay, and it cool. makes total it makes total sense yeah. because as it stands, third party votes can really sway elections, like it, it mm-hmm. did in the 2000 election with um, Al Gore for sure. Anyway, that was super interesting. Um, yeah, it's just great because it's it it is people with varied viewpoints. This podcast. But and some of them with really different viewpoints than me, but it feels like they're talking about kind of like the theory of politics or the theory of these situations that politics affect without getting into like too specific of the application or the issues. Uh, So they end the episode with just a recommendation, something fun to distract you from politics, which I also really love. I love that sentiment. Um, Overall rating for this challenge. potentially too smart for me but i really love how informative it was without being blood boiling yeah we need that you know what I mean? Badly, yeah. yeah totally thanks Fine. for that challenge if you all want to listen along with us check out the argument this episode that i listened to was how to survive the holidays without an argument get into it and now i'm gonna sit back ah! and listen as you challenge me Get ready for this one, bud, because... I'm so excited. I love <laughs> This moment is like my favorite moment of like ever when like I don't know what it is yet, but I'm about to know. Okay, what is it? Okay. Um, last week, you kind of made a great clarification about how challenge the challenge should work. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of took pressure off of me to come up with a challenge for you that's like brand new or something you've never heard before, right? Because that had kind of previous been my M.O., is like, what is the newest, latest thing that she's never heard of that's perfect for her? And you were like, no, it could just be something you know I listen to in, in like an totally. episode you want you want to point out. So I think you've listened to this podcast. And keeping that directive in mind, um, my challenge for you this week is to listen to our very first episode. <gasps> <laughs> Okay. You are brilliant. What yeah. a good idea. <laughs> I'm a little out. afraid. Okay, go on. Me too. So this is a 65th episode, which means, and I did the math, we have been doing this for exactly two and a half years. You know what's funny? You mentioned that at the beginning of when you got here, and I was didn't even think for a second, like, how did he do that math so quickly in his head? Okay. <laughs> and like, why? This right. is why. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, that's a long time. And I have to know, how far have we come? Like, was our Have was we our improved very, or not? Right. Was our first episode, like, lightning in a bottle and we've gotten worse? Or was it, like, super cringy? Do you have specific things you want me to watch out for? Like, if you you don't mm. have to tell me now. But. Overall, like, what can we learn okay. from that first episode? I'm so, writing that down. again, that's the, the, the podcast is called Podcast Podcast. Okay. And the episode is episode one, okay. The Genius of Teresa Judice, Topless oh. Tapas, Transphobia, and more. What? And more. That's what the whole episode is called. <laughs> I can't tell by the title. I mean, I haven't thought about Teresa Judice in a long time. No. This is going to be great. I really hope you love it, to be honest. And this will make us a better podcast. Thank yeah, you. You're it's a real so, lo- <laughs> I love working with you. Oh. I call Eric my creative partner to like everyone, even though like, I don't know, you're my creative partner. It sounds like we're in a business. Like it sounds a lot more serious than it is. Yeah, I mean, we are my in a business. My business partner, Eric. I, it's funny because I call you my life partner. Oh my God, that's is a, that, a little more serious. But Is that wrong? I mean, whatever. <laughs> it's not wrong. It's Wait, not wrong. Also, we are business partners together. And you know what businesses have to have? 
legal zoom <laughs> i was Re- just guessing revenue from ads oh for example i thought they had to have legal zoom <laughs> well i was also, just guessing also that i mean to be honest once you once you read what that is i don't think businesses really need it right that's but true let's find out what do you want to read the message sure. from our sponsor? <laughs> yes i mean you ever want to zoom like real fast but don't want to break the law yes sure we all want to zoom zooming's great but there's no zooming in jail and that's where you'll be if you keep illegal zooming all over the damn place but now you can zoom with legal zoom the only safe and legal way to zoom legal zoom will install their state-of-the-art zoom technology into your car so you can feel like you're really flying without even ever going over the speed limit the way it works is that when you hit the pedal on the floor at the accelerated rate, it will trigger individual unique blades to move in heavy rotation directly in front of you, the driver, to create a zoom sensation without that pesky high-risk speeding. More specifically, it's a fan that clips onto your steering wheel. Use discount code podcast podcast to upgrade to Legal Zoom's Prismatone package for free. The way it works is that your Legal Zoom technology will transform with unique hues to match your automobile's interior aesthetic. More specifically, it comes in green or white. If you want to get your Zoom back, Stella, you better act fast and Zoom on over to Legal Zoom today. Wow. Whoa. That Thanks, was a roller coaster. I don't I still don't know if I want it or not. Are we recording? Okay. I definitely want it. As long as we're not recording, that that ad was off all the rails. Over the place? Yeah, it was a little all over the place. Okay. Um wow. Where are we? We are at clip one. Should we jump in? Yeah. Um, I know that this is my clip, but will you do it? Oh my god, sure. <laughs> Just kidding. Would that be funny if we switched clips every time? That would be interesting. It's like I don't know On why. April Fool's Day. <gasps> Dag name it. <laughs> Edit this out so no one knows our trick. I, are you okay? <laughs> I, I've been using legal zoom lately and all that oh, fan action, I all that see. green, those all green fan paint chips have been they should have into some small print like about <laughs> the, should. yeah, the zoom okay. action makes all you right. say things. All right. It's true. Uh, they use asbestos in their green fan paint. Uh, okay. So clip one comes from a podcast called proof. I had never heard of this. You haven't? No. I should have used it for the challenge. Uh, Proof is a brand new podcast from America's Test Kitchen that investigates the food we love and the foods we don't love and the cultural and scientific reasons why. America's Test Kitchen personality Bridget Lancaster hosts. By the way, I'm saying America's Test Kitchen like I knew what this was. Do you know what this is? I guess it's like a PBS cooking show. Yeah. I've had authors be on. Like, I, I've, yeah. Yeah. I, kinda yeah, I think it's really popular. Yeah. I just for some reason it had evaded me. Um, anyway, I felt like a fraud saying that and not it's okay that's a safe spot. pretending like I yeah. know. uh so anyway uh episode topics have included celery Ooh. <laughs> apparently back in the victorian area it was like the it food they used it for I everything think it's coming back well i feel in like this house it is djj would love celery Did i you feel know that? medium about Isn't that it. weird no i didn't know that i feel like it's a little weird when anyone's a little too passionate about celery and djj is DJ i hear your celery and i raise you pringles <laughs> they don't make celery socks, do they? But they do make Pringle socks, and Eric is wearing them right now. Y'all. Celery. Make me socks out of celery. Oh, 
I would wear that. Done. Consider it done. Uh, okay. So, and also another topic that they've covered is the rise and fall of tiki culture in America. Oh, this sounds fun. I know. It is fun, right? This episode, however, covers something very familiar to me. Food cravings. Because I'm a fatty baby. I just want you, you to are know. not. You're a, <laughs> a runner machine. Ugh. Hottie patati. Why do you think I have to run? Because of all these food cravings. Okay. I have to balance it out. Uh, okay. They tackle where cravings come from, whether they're biological, cultural, or gender specific. But in this clip, we hear from a guest of the show about the differences between cravings and hunger. Very Check good to it know. out. Yeah. Oh. That's actually always one of the first things I start with is definitions, because I think there's a lot of confusion about what we actually mean when we say craving. So hunger is really mostly for any food. You might have, you know, an idea of what you want to eat, sometimes based on time of day, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Craving tends to be incredibly specific, so specific that we sometimes have people who report not just craving chocolate, but a particular brand and kind of chocolate. Hold on now. We need to talk about chocolate just a little bit more. And, you know, I could really go for a piece of chocolate right now. Yes, I could too. Actually, I could go for those dark chocolate peanut butter cups from Trader Joe's. Have you ever tried those? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the specificity is one of the things that separates craving from hunger. And then the other thing is that often cravings occur regardless of how long it's been since we've last eaten. Um, so it can really be at any time and it's not necessarily related to how full we are. That pretty much sums up my cravings, specific and random. Have you ever had those Trader Joe's peanut butter cups? No, but I've heard it seems like all the rage. I just refuse to go into Trader Joe's. Me too. Maybe I'll have to now. I feel like it's because we live in New York and there's literally a bouncer outside of Trader Joe's. It's true. It's a mess. I didn't realize that was also a musical podcast. (laughs) Isn't it so so jazzy and fun? Were you able to tap your tooth? Yeah. Wow. Double duty. Um, They also said on this episode that some people have much, like some people are cravers. Like some people have much stronger cravings than Mm, others. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Do do you think you're a craver? No. In fact, I think it's all, I just believe it's so mental. I don't believe it's (sighs) real. Interesting. Well, could that be because you are not really a craver? But when you said that, I thought maybe I'm just, it's not my experience. So I don't believe it because I have no idea. Maybe I'm just. Because you can't relate. Right. So I have no idea. I just, but I've always kind of thought like. I'm sorry. I think if, like, okay, I've never, in this episode, they're like, when, you know, every woman, when she's, every woman, they said, when they have their period, has craved ice cream. When Yes, they literally uh, said that. That feels broad. Absolutely not. I don't, like, that's, I mean, I just feel like people are like, it's okay, but like, I think people give themselves excuses or they want certain things or like, like, and that's fine. It's just like, are you in the mood to eat something? How much is, how much of it is habitual too, right? Because I would say like, oh, at the end of the day, I crave a thing, but it's like, no, it's maybe it's just, I eat that thing a lot. I do believe maybe you could crave, the, the one thing I do believe is like, you maybe if you haven't had salt, like I, when I run, yeah. I want salt. I, oh, and I really think that's a biological thing. Interesting. I've read that. I don't know if that's true. Like because you lose salt from sweat yeah. and then you kind of want it back. I believe that that makes sense to me. So yeah. I guess there's some of this makes sense actually. That's interesting. But I've never like, cr- cr- I don't know. Like I've always just think, oh, I should have, I don't know. I've yeah. never thought of it that way. Or like, um, I do, I, I, and I do kind of believe um, if you've been eating like shit, you do want like, you're mm. like, give me a break. 
But 100%. I, don't, I don't know if that's called craving. Maybe my idea of craving well, is Well, I, I was going to say, and I, I have here, like, I, I oftentimes my, crazy, my cravings are for, like, strange and unhealthy things, like Cheerios or, like, dirty martini, like, random things that are not good for me. But sometimes if I've been eating poorly or, like, you're on vacation and you're kind of eating not as well, I will crave, like, raw veggies, like a big salad or yeah. something. But you're right. Is that a craving? I don't know. I guess you're kind of convincing me that they're like. Yeah, that for some people it is. Because, and it is like you really want that that specific. And the specific yeah. specificity thing is interesting because that's true. Yeah. Because if you're just hungry, you're like, I will eat out of a garbage want, can. Exactly, like You're not exactly. like, I want a little bit of something. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I even feel like we were in Italy and I feel like DJ J. Wu and I came home and we were like, we want some vegetables. Mm. Like we really both said mm-hmm. that. We were like, oh, because we started playing a new game when you come back from vacation and you don't want to. Ooh. You're like, you have to be like, what do I can't wait to do about my home? Aww. And it's fun. You need to do this. I love so that. So it's like money, like Nintendo, yeah, like our bed. bed. Yeah. And like we were like, mm, vegetables. Because we were eating like pasta and pizza, and which was delicious, <laughs> but like you... Okay, really similar. I was really, I was at the airport in Amsterdam on my way back to London to then fly home. And I said to Alan, I am dying right now for nachos from cilantro which is a great neighborhood a great mexican restaurant in our neighborhood so like really That's similar very to you specific. i was like very it was those i wanted those specific see nachos. okay then cravings are real the way you're talking about this and the oh. scary look and in like, your eyes. why would that pop in my head yeah scary look in my eyes. yeah but i just like how you were like we just like really wanted to crunch on some arugula and i was like nachos <laughs> I, I, but we just hadn't really been eating vegetables we yeah i know i know it. what you mean we and we ate pretty well like uh, healthy yeah ish in London and Amsterdam. Yeah. They, had, they had good food. Anyway, uh, they also talked on this episode about hormonal cravings. And yeah, I, guess, I, don't, that, I think that's bullshit, but keep on going. Well, they talked about the idea that some people think it's like, oh, you're replenishing the nutrients that your body's losing or whatever, but they actually said the fluctuations in hormones might be the key to cravings and not the nutrient cravings like we thought. And the same that. with pregnancy. Like, it's not that the there's sort of a wives' tale that or a myth that... Um, it's whatever the baby needs. That's what you're craving. But it actually just is that your your hormonal, your hormones are... So I wouldn't even consider it a craving. I consider it like your hormones are crazy. Your body doesn't fucking know what's going on. You're like yelling and crying and you're like, I guess I want this. Like, yeah. I don't even think it's like... I, my definition of a craving doesn't seem... I made it up. Yeah. It's not ah. real. So I made up my own definition. Then I was like, it's wrong. That's what I have done. Well, I'll give you an example. My sister, uh, when she was pregnant, she very specifically wanted burgers. Maybe she just wanted to start eating a lot of burgers. But what would make her, like, think of that? You know what I mean? I don't know. Because her, her hormones were like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. But it just feels like that specificity where, like, for some reason, like, a, she's not, like, a big burger eater. But, like, for some reason, burgers were, like, the thing I for her. I don't mean to argue with you about this. But <laughs> it's also, like, to me, if she always wanted burgers, that's something going on with her hormones. Craving is, like, a one-time thing. Or, or not every day. You know what right. I mean? Like. A craving to me is like, oh, you're in this mood where you need this thing. It's yeah. Like if you, for your entire entirety of your pregnancy, you want burgers. That doesn't seem like a right. constant craving for nine months. It's like, no, your hormones are telling you this is what you want. Yeah. So craving seems like limit limited to a at a certain amount of time. Like it's not like yeah. yeah. I, I in my made up yeah. definition that I just <laughs> I, made no, up and I'm debunking. Yeah. So it more so feels like, oh, well, that just is like... Or, or like, this is random. I'm craving Monterey Jack cheese. <laughs> Not like, I've been craving Monterey Jack cheese for nine months. Adds right. up. I and want some more. Monterey you're just, mood. You're just a Monterey Jack cheese eater. <laughs> so... 
Well, sort of my fake personally, I am a Monterey Jack cheese eater. But okay, do you, uh, here's here's a little quiz. Okay. So I feel like I get what I would consider cravings. You might just consider like I have preferences in like certain places. Do you know what I mean? Or in certain situations, right? Totally. So I have like yeah. movie theater cravings, mm-hmm. right? So I want to give you a little quiz to see how well you know my cravings. Oh my God. My okay. quote unquote I sh- cravings. Okay. okay. I think you're going to be pretty good at this Um, because you have given you have uh, uh, what's the word where you like let me do a thing that's bad for me. Hmm. Enabled? You've enabled my cravings. That's exactly it. Wow, what a what a little brain fart. I, I, yeah, I have a. Mm. You've enabled my cravings. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I. Okay, cravings quiz. Ding ding ding. Round one. Uh, What do I crave at the movies? Popcorn. Right. Do you know the drink? Dr. Pepper? Uh, really close. Either Diet Pib Extra Cherry, because you know how they have those like soda yeah. machines. But see, that's or, a new answer. They didn't used to have that. That's true. It would be Dr. Pepper, you're right. Or Diet Root Beer. Okay. Okay. Uh, airplane. I think you know this. Something you... Br- oh, shit. Pringles. Or chips. No. Shit. Pringles is a good answer, because we did talk about having those in the you airplane. You literally last time just said you did that. So, I know. Okay. But... The the thing I always crave on an airplane is pretzels, like a hard, crunchy pretzel. Okay, that adds up. Uh, road trip. Oh no, I would say oh I'm I'm not doing well. I would say candy of some sort. Mm, Twizzlers. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I also really like peanut butter filled pretzels on a road trip. Okay. Specific. Uh, Glad my, recording this. I'll have to remember it forever. <laughs> my parents' house. You're not gonna know this one. Something Cindy makes. Well, no, actually. Ooh, I hope she's uh, not listening. She'll well, feelings she, doesn't, will be hurt. she doesn't cook a ton. Okay. I wouldn't say that's her, like her staple. She's a very good cook. But I think when I'm there, we tend to like be running around and like going out to eat and stuff like that. Um, there are certain things in my mom's that I love. Like, Is it a restaurant in Hudson? No. They Sorry, always have these specific uh, ripple chips, potato oh, chips. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't and like some... a specific dip, like mm-hmm. a French onion dip. Mm-hmm. But my mom's... Uh, split pea soup is what That's makes why that you my love number one favorite soup. soup. Yeah, I, I never asked where this mm. love for split pea That's soup. That's it. Cindy it's has a, a great split pea soup. Your love for split pea soup is a little bit like DJ Jaywoo's love for celery, where I'm like, okay. And like your love for Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh <laughs> my god, it's all a little confusing. I don't think that that makes sense, but whatever. <laughs> okay, well I'm officially putting it in the same bucket. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, Sometimes I just get a craving for Bryce Dallas Howard. <laughs> Like Cindy, all the time. Cindy also makes really good homemade mac and cheese. Oh, so it's a good Midwest. So good. Yeah. Uh, okay. What do I crave at work sometimes? It's a type yogurt? of candy. Oh, oh, I do. You love, mean you eat yogurt at work? That? I know I eat Greek yogurt at work. I don't know about your like. In I know your habits more than yes. what's going on in your head. Sometimes I'll crave M and M's at work. Okay, specifically M and M's. Okay. Uh, in Ohio, I'll, you won't know this. I'll crave anything with barbecue sauce. But only in Ohio. Yeah. Okay. Why? I Are you asking me? Because yeah. I have no... No, I'm talking. asking That's the very universe. weird. Okay. Uh, um, in Italy, what do I crave? It's a dish that I believe... Cacio pepe. Oh, mamma mia. <laughs> That's it. Mwah. 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 We're doing that thing where Chef you... Kiss. Take Mwah. 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 That's exactly it. Uh, in the East Village... I have told you about this before. Sometimes when I leave here, I go and get it for for dinner. Don't you go to like chopped? Almost. 
Expression Co. Oh. Do you remember what I crave there? There's a weird salad. There's a chimichurri dressing. Oh, okay. Sorry. Ooh, God, I'm not ooh, doing ooh, very well. I'm like, I'm getting like on the border. No, you're okay. on the periphery. It's really great. Uh, you won't know this when I'm sick. Um, is it a, a liquid? No, it's a side dish. Uh, commonly it's found at Thanksgiving. Corn. But not specific to Thanksgiving. Oh, potatoes. Mashed, mashed potatoes. potatoes. Okay. How did you get that? That's exactly right. I feel like you gave me too many hints. Okay. Um... Ooh, what it? What would I crave like at a bar, like a cocktail bar? Pretzel, like a, <laughs> a big pretzel. Yes, but also a drink. Oh, oh, dirty martini. Mm, it's not that, but it's a good guess. I tried to order a dirty martini in London, and they flipped out. They could not figure it out. What? I just ended up with like a gin martini. I've it just was fine. I've just that's probably the top drink I've gotten drunk with you with. So Ugh. is it wine? No, uh, an old fashioned. Oh. I didn't know that about you. It's my like number one favorite drink. It's just a I perfect drink. I did not drink. know that about you. Okay. Oof. Oof. Uh, before bed. <laughs> this one's embarrassing. That's well, probably my number one favorite food type of food food group. We were just talking about it. You hate bread. You Oof. love cheese. Ah, uh, that's it. Mm. String cheese. I'll eat a string <laughs> cheese before bed. <laughs> that's so embarrassing. I know you. Should I cut that out? No. <laughs> Because I got it right. so You yeah. got it right. Mm-hmm. Wow. You actually did really good on that cravings quiz. It was kind of hard. I, it was pretty tough. I mean, I don't know many people that could score better than me. Like your family members and Alan. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Um, all right. Well, if you all want to learn more about cravings, listen to this episode of Proof called Cravings. Fun. <laughs> Thanks for uh, putting up with my tomfoolery. That was so fun. I love your <laughs> games and quizzes. I love when we do games. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. What's our second clip? No quizzes in this clip. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's get down to business. We're going <laughs> to learn some stuff. No we've, fun allowed. We've already had our fun. Yeah. I think this is fun. Mm. This is from Lizard People, which I know we've talked about before and I believe you enjoy. Mm, I do. And I actually just just looking through the backlist. They have some great guests. I recommend if you like need to like binge something, just like look up lizard people i need this for work yeah it. no no it's really fun i you because you love a good conspiracy theory uh-huh. and I, I love this podcast in particular yeah, yeah. and uh, caitlin um hempstead is the host and she's really smart and funny and um a skeptic and um she invites her brilliant friends on and tries to they try to convince her of their favorite conspiracy theory. And because it's Christmas almost, this one is about Jesus. Yo. Oh my God. I get so excited about this. Um, it's so interesting to me that, you know, we know Jesus' birth story and then we get like a little bit about him when he's 12 in the temple, but then we don't hear from him again until he's 33. So we have like this huge gap in his biography. And um, the guest on this episode, Ptolemy Slocum, uh, he's talking about a kind of popular theory that Jesus went east, like to India in those lost years. Interesting. And I've heard this before. I don't even think it's a conspiracy theory. I think it's like, I believe this. Yeah, I think I think historians. So, yeah. And then maybe like picked this. up some Buddhism. And that's why a lot of the messages in the New Testament sound a lot like Buddhism. Mm. And in this clip, in the episode, Jesus' lost years, they're talking about my favorite part of Jesus' story that are on my fingernails right now. The nativity mm. story. I read a book about the nativity story every year. I love, this is the best story of all time. Um, Jesus' birth story and the three wise men. I love picturing them on their camels in the dark with the palm trees and the purple sky, and the star and the angel. Ugh. And um, 
But anyway, this is technically a very Eastern concept, the idea of three men coming to find a baby and naming the baby the king. That's not a Christian concept. Anyway, I'm going to let Ptolemy talk about it because he does a better job. <laughs> um, there's two ways of looking at it. Number one, it actually happened. Three men came from the East, right? Yeah. When um, a Dalai Lama dies, they look at the stars and they yeah. try to find a new one and they bring gifts and yeah. they try to locate a new one. That's an interesting, and what if they came all the way for that reason? What's going on with that? There's a Buddhist connection there. Yeah. Uh, th- it's fascinating. Uh, yeah, so they there, believe that at the moment of the old spiritual leader's death, right. that soul is reincarnated. So what if they come and when they do, baby. they announce that this is it and then when the child is old enough, they take them and then they raise them in, um, you know, far away, basically. Yeah. So that's a physical thing. Could be a real thing. It's interesting if you consider that both that he's poor and that's really happened. Let's say it didn't. Let's say the entire um, early sections were kind of added later as a, as a patchwork of um, concepts or other religions. This motif still exists. Why? Why a Buddhist motif in the middle of a Jewish uh, traditional story, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is a very Buddhist notion. We went looking for we, the, uh, These yeah. men came. Why are they adding this to the concept? Right. So whose whose instinct and whose traditionality has brought that element into a vital part of uh, the birth story of this individual Mm -hmm. if this is not real? So this is what you were you were minor asking of like, well, why would that be if it wouldn't be? But on both sides of this, there is Buddhist influence. Oh, my God. I love this so much. So fascinating. So the question is, okay, did it actually happen? Mm -hmm. Which is weird. Mm -hmm. Did the three wise men literally like follow the stars and find baby Jesus and bring him back to the east Mm -hmm. and where he learned a bunch of shit, cool shit? (laughs) Or did he not? But that story was written in, which is also weird because it's like, like, where do we get that influence? Have you ever thought about this before? No. Because you are a scholar. Oh, barely. You know I mean, your stuff. I mean, ish. We definitely know that there is so much influence in modern Christianity outside of the story of Jesus, right? Like, even Christmas itself. Like, he, he was not born on December 25th. We know that as fact. That was a pagan holiday. And pu- public officials decided to change it to try to, you know like push out those cultures and traditions and try to make Christianity the main. Like we know all this stuff. We know that none, none of it is like true to fact. So why not this too? It's really interesting. Well, Cause it's like, why is there that gap? I yeah, guess. Right. And where I guess the, the inner, cause okay. You could be like, well, this never happened anyway. So who mm. cares? Which is sometimes what I, I mean, I always think that really, <laughs> but I'm in trying to solve the mystery of the actual Bible, which right. was written. Right. That's undeniable. I don't even care if, you know, Jesus ever existed. Right. In the story, where do we get Buddhist influence in this Jewish text? Yeah. That is undeniably weird, whether you believe it happened or not. Yeah. So, and then, like, the idea of cast the first stone, do unto others as they have done for you. That does not sound like the Old Testament. That Mm -hmm. sounds like Buddhism. Mm -hmm. Is your mind, like... This shit is the best. <laughs> it's the best mystery, the best storytelling. I want to talk about it forever. We are hearing from a true religion major right here. And this is the tradition of, like, this stuff was not from the Torah, so where is it coming from? Right. There, just like it's undeniable. 
undeniable relationship between East and West. It's it is fascinating, and it feels like there are also certain um, certain conventions and certain bits of wisdom that are true in almost all religions, right? And most of them have to do with goodness, right? Yes. Like being a good person. Yes, except in the Old Testament where it's like exactly. murder everyone. We see that less in the Old Testament. Well, and that's why Jesus rules. Mm-hmm. That's why Jesus, if we all listened to Jesus' message, we would all be wonderful people. He hardly said anything. We hardly know anything he said. Mm-hmm. He said, you know what? He didn't say anything about gay people. Nope. Nothing. Nope. But guess what he did say? He did say don't get divorced. He said like five things and one of them is don't get divorced. <laughs> and then the other four were basically like, be so nice to everyone. Love everyone. Right. Don't judge anyone. The worst people are the best people. Well, can I tell you about the most powerful thing he actually said? Tell me. It was that, so, you know, the Bible was a text. So a lot of people couldn't read it. So when Jesus... Like, so it was up to like the rulers and the priests yeah. to give the messages of the Bible. They depend, they couldn't get to the message of the Bible on their own. Right. It also was never mass produced no, until the printing, no press. printing press. Right. How are these people supposed to learn these wonderful messages? Right. Well, Jesus comes along and he literally says, "You don't need the priests. It's in within you. You have the connection of God, and that is the most dangerous thing you can do to any hierarchy." Right. Say we don't need you anymore. Right. You don't. You own the connection inside of you. Right. I am. God is everywhere. Lift a stone, and I am there. Like, and uh-huh. that's a, that's a line from the Bible, and that Preach. is the most. And you know, Jesus did a lot of radical stuff. That is the most radical yeah. thing. Saying all yeah. this bullshit nonsense. Yeah. I'm gonna turn it on its head. First of all, it's all wrong because the only thing that matters is love, mm. and this message is now inside of you, and you have the power. Mm. Isn't that so interesting to go back to those core principles of you do not need someone to tell you how to it's love God. It's inside of you. It's inside of you. And the only thing you need to remember is to love. Let me simplify Leviticus. Mm. Fuck Leviticus. Leviticus is like. Eat shellfish. It's fine. But it's all, it's all relevant to the culture totally. of that time. It has nothing to do with that- our current like civilization. That is why I love the Bible. No, the, the, like Leviticus is a little too specific. It's like, um, don't fuck. No, I think I've said this before, but like my, um, religion professor in college, um, said once that he was, um, at his kindergartner daughter, like first, like parent teacher day. Mm -hmm. And he went and he's sitting in these little chairs and he sees on the wall. It's like, don't bite people, like don't pee your pants. And he's like, okay, somebody was biting people and someone was pissing their pants. That's what I know from these rules that I see on the wall. You know? So you're learning about the culture in the classroom by seeing what they're not allowed to do. So when we see letters in the Bible that are like, stop fucking goats, somebody was fucking goats. That's all we know. We don't that doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to fuck goats. That means that people were fucking goats and it was a problem and someone had to write it down. Or like shellfish, like there there was something bad bad in the water. And the shellfish was making people sick. So it was like, do not eat shellfish. Let's look at it that way. Now we have like little farms where you can make crabs and they're safe. (laughs) Okay. Now I love this so much. This is a hero story. Um, there's just, Jesus was gifted, smart. He studied. This wasn't (laughs) random. This wasn't random that he was chosen. It wasn't even like, oh, the like born upon a Virgin Mary, like this miracle boy. He was um, a reader. He, not many people could read. He could read. He was right. a smart, studied person who went off to the East and learned things and came right. back. This who, all makes 
so much sense. Right. Who sought information, who sought new ideas. And came back and was like, guess the, what the cool shit I learned on yeah, my study abroad. Yeah. yeah. So I think oh Ptolemy, gosh, oh my God, my two and now I could talk forever. Mike, in college when we used to have big parties, CJ, my roommate would say, don't get her started on Jesus. Like to everyone, <laughs> we'd be like drinking, like doing keg, keg stands. And she'd be like, don't get Lauren started on Jesus because she'll never stop talking. But it's more unlikely that anyone would have made this up than it actually happened. Interesting. The weird thing is that this, you know, someone would have made all this right. up. Right. Anyway, this is how everyone can have their own interpretation. But I think you, I really want to stand up for the bible because i think jesus his message was perfect mm. and so simple and perfect and it is inside of us i would say to that because there are so many ways that people negatively um translate the bible to fit their own political agenda why can't there be a separate book that's just like the jesus story you know what i mean like everyone's talking about g like where we do just focus on Historical truly just focus on jesus what he has to say and what his teachings are, and you know? fuck the Christians who think that Jesus would want guns or any of that shit that was literally the only thing he hated, violence. Like, fuck those people. Fuck them. Jesus is pure. And I'm done. But I think we should end this segment with a little... <clears throat> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jesus. Happy birthday to you. How old are you now? Oh, how old are how you old? now? Oh, 2018. Oh. How old are you now? Wouldn't he be 2018? I mean, I think he's it? forever 33. That's his clothing brand. Wow. Yeah. Forever 33. Yeah. That was nice. Aww. And a good reminder of the reason for the <laughs> Thanks season. Thanks for letting me talk about my biggest passion in life that goes like completely useless in my entire every day. Listen, you let me talk about cheese. I'll let you talk about Jesus. Can we do this more often? I'll I let you talk about cheese every episode. <laughs> Wait, what if we combined our passion and it was Jesus? <laughs> New podcast. <gasps> I don't know what it is yet, but like it, it'll fall into place by itself. I've already trademarked it and bought oh my, the URLs. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Good. Good. Uh, good clip. Good clip. I think we have to move on even though I don't want to. Okay. Whatever, whatever. What kind of crappy thing do you have planned well, for us have, next? Uh, it's time for our segments. I love the segments. <laughs> Which are great. Uh, this segment, uh, this is the segment that we lovingly modeled off of our friends over at Han and Nat Know It All, which you should most definitely check out if you want some incredible advice through the lens of two fabulous queer folks. We love them. But basically, we find a question from an advice podcast that we're dying for our co-host to answer. I found one that I need you to answer, Lauren. Bring it on. Okay, so this comes from Dear Sugars, which I'm sure you know, hosted by Cheryl Strait and Steve Almond. They describe they self-describe as radically em- empathic advice, and it's so true. Uh, they cover a wide variety of topics from relationships to jobs to just life, but this particular question, which is on an episode called Friendship Part One, is a question that I really want to hear your thoughts on, Lauren. Here it is. Dear Sugars, I am writing because I am having a hard time accepting my best friend's relationship. Annie, names have been changed, has been my best friend since our freshman year of college almost seven years ago. We're very close. Even though we live in different cities now, we talk about everything and agree on a lot. She's been dating X for about two years now, and from the very beginning, I knew she could do better. He was in an open relationship with another woman when they started dating. 
Then, once they became exclusive, he started to show signs of being very controlling and also very jealous. The straw that broke the camel's back for me was when she contacted me via Facebook Messenger to discuss flirty dreams she'd been having about a co-worker. When I asked her why we were having this conversation on Facebook instead of texting, she said that it was because she did not want it in her text messages since X had been known to go through her texts. Some years ago, I was in an abusive relationship myself, and X shows a lot of the same symptoms as my ex-boyfriend. I've told Annie this numerous times, and she always seems to be in at least partial agreement, but they stay together. I'm worried about her, especially because she's been talking about marrying this guy. I have two major fears. First, that something really bad could happen to her. And second, that their relationship might harm our relationship. I don't want to lose her for any reason. Do I have any power to do anything aside from what I've already done? Is there something I can say to her? Signed, worried friend. Ah. Yeah, we get a lot of these. All right, LKP, what do you think? Well, I can't tell you what the right thing to do, but I know what I would just do. Tell me. I mean, you, I, I, you can't tell her what to do. Mm. She's like, a, it's going to be like a teenager, you know, mm. like she's not going to hear it and she'll never know you're right. You know what I mean? Like you, you really, I don't think you can boss her around. She's an adult, but I know in these kind of relationships, I have had like discussions where I don't hold back. I won't tell the person what to do, but I'll be like, do you realize that this is crazy? Do you realize that this isn't normal? Do you know? And then, I've done this to girlfriends before. Tell stories about DJ Jaywoo and been like, "This is how you deserve to this be treated." Is the right way, yeah. Or like, just sh- talking a lot about this is not normal. You are correct in feeling uncomfortable because mm-hmm. you can't tell her what to do. And then if she's gonna do it anyway, I would just say, I mean, this isn't as simple, but like, be there for her every day. Mm. And and actually, if you want to stay friends with her, I think you do have to kind of support. Not support it, but support her. Just her. Yeah. Because if she knows she's being supported, and you even say, I support you, I do not support him, and I don't support you together, you can say that. But support her, and also make sure she's okay. Mm. That's what I would say. I think that's really smart. I mean, I've experienced this before, and the first time with a friend, when a a guy was really bad for them, I was like saying it, and, and... you know, it wasn't just that I was giving unsolicited advice. Like this person was like talking to me about it and asking me about it and complaining about this person. And I would say like, bad, he's bad for you. He's bad for you. Bad, 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 bad. All the time I would, you know, you know, keep, try to keep her accountable. And it felt like what she wanted. And then it just like, I like lost my friend a little bit. You know what I mean? Because it was like, she still loved this guy. And I was the person who was like, you know, being a bum about it and being a nag about it and who didn't support her. So I just like lost my friend for that period of time. And then it, it when it happened again, I realized like, I just need to be there. I just need to like be present and like be tolerant of this person and say my piece respectfully when she opens that door. Um, and that worked out a lot better, but it's like, you just can't convince someone. You can't convince someone. I think the best thing is to be as vocal as you can about your thoughts about the person without mm. bringing in the friend. Like but it, that's tough because when I did that and wasn't saying like, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong. I was just saying like, I don't like the way he blah, blah, blah. It, it still felt to her like an attack. On, I, you know? But I don't even say that go that far. Like, yeah. okay, I'm thinking about my mom and dad have a friend that I don't like. Mm-hmm. And when I go home, I say, 
please do not invite this person over. Uh-huh. I don't want them to be there. Uh-huh. So it's not even saying like, I don't like how they're doing this. Like, I don't say anything about their behavior. I yeah. just say, if you care about what I think, this is, I don't want this. Yeah, wow. Interesting. I don't know. That's different though. No, I and like also, that. I, I like don't know that. how, like, there's like a, also the level of abuse, like, if this yeah, is yeah, really yeah. serious. That's just, I've never been in this exact situation. Yeah. And also, I've never been in an abusive relationship. Yeah. So, like, if red flags are going off in her head, like, she might be, I mean, ooh, she might be overreacting. Yeah. I don't, ooh, she might be. Yeah, it's a good point. Like, the abuse thing is, it feels like a really different, that's a that's a different scenario and feels even trickier to to give and if advice you've on. been, a, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, there is a world where she's a little too sensitive to it. Mm. I mean, I don't want to doubt anyone. Right, right. Maybe it's not as, maybe he just sucks. Mm. And you know what? There's a lot of partners that suck. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't know, but um, here is what Cheryl Strayed said, which she always has great, great advice. Um, she said that in her experience. Uh, she has in the moment flagged that she didn't think the behavior was okay. So as it was happening, she's like, I just want to flag that. I don't think that's good. Um, and she made sure that the friend knows that, you know, you're there if she needs you. And in the short term, she felt like in in the short term, her friend felt like Cheryl maybe couldn't be trusted, but in the long term, the friend sort of understood that she was a safe place and a loyal friend. And the other thing I liked that she said was like, I'm, I'm, I'm here if you need a place to stay. Like I just, you know, just to kind of like lay that groundwork, which feels right. Yeah. I agree with that. Well, thanks for your little bit of advice. Yeah. Well, thanks for your also input because you had a different experience than I did. So. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. So I guess the answer is it just depends. <laughs> what a helpful Easy. thing. <laughs> we solved it. Well, if you want to hear more great advice from Cheryl Strayed and, uh, and Not Steve, Allman, Steve Allman, just <laughs> Cheryl Strayed. Why is he there? Okay. Yes. Uh, check out Dear Sugars. The, the podcast isn't around anymore, so you'll have to go through the backlist. Well, they're currently releasing, quote, episodes yeah. we love, mm-hmm. which is really fun because they're doing like highlights. Is it? Okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's our next segment? I made up a new one. What? You're welcome. <laughs> what? Um, I'm calling this Before They Were Famous. I love that. Just to clarify for the podcast listeners, that's the letter B and the number four. It wouldn't be any other way in this hip household. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> so I, this is like going back, like there's always like comedians that everyone knows that like blow up. And if you kind of do searches on them in podcast land, you find that they were like on podcasts a long time ago. So like, mm-hmm. I want to start going back to the roots of these very, very funny people. Such a good idea. And this, everyone knows Hannah Gatsby now because mm-hmm. of her special Nanette. Mm-hmm. But I remember listening to her on The Guilty Feminist a while ago, which is one of my very favorite feminist comedian podcasts. And Hannah was on it pre-Nanette. And it's when I heard it, I had never heard of Hannah Gatsby. And I actually tweeted at Deborah, the host. I never do this, but I said, hey, I think that Hannah Gatsby is the best guest ever. Like, she's that good that she just sticks out. Like, even in a short I had short no idea episode. who she was. It was yeah. a nameless person, and yeah. I had never done this before. And I was like, that person. So what I'm saying is I'm a talent scout. <laughs> Clearly. You should be in casting. Yes. So... Anyway, she took this. I really recommend the whole episode. It's um, Hope with Hannah Gatsby on The Guilty Feminist. And it, it she, in this episode, um, she's talking about how we value progress and strength and only the fit survive. Mm-hmm. And really, we only remember what survives in our history because it's survived. And these are generally masculine traits. And that is a lot of those traits are really bad. Like, what about the softer traits? They're not always surviving, but they're so important. 
and can they survive too? And we have to work really hard to make sure that the softer traits survive. Mm. I'm starting to worry that the idea of making your mark is a destructive idea. And I'm thinking perhaps why we haven't heard of a lot of women is why they're actual heroes, because they are the soft tissue. They're the ones that stop things from being broken. What are the things we're emphasising out of history? You know, history is about turning points and how things change. It is uh, progress. We almost have this sort of bias toward the future, like the present. We're nailing it heaps better than we were, and so we're going to go to wherever. And I'm like, I think we should pause and maybe sidestep a few bits because we've fucked up a lot. <laughs> so why we should we should probably pause a bit and check out some things we've missed. Um, so I like the idea of just having to like put a pause on progress for a little mm. bit, looking back and uh, measuring history on what has not survived because those things probably have been, have a lot to offer us and a lot we can learn from and, um, start measuring progress with things that really can't be measured, I mm. guess. Yeah. And I feel like I love the notion that like, we don't all have to be these like trailblazers written in history, right? Mm-hmm that it's just as powerful for someone to be making like small improvements in people's lives. And I, I love that metaphor of the soft tissue yeah. holding everything together. I do too. Anyway. So wise. Ooh. I love that new segment before they were famous. I know. That's a really good, a good one. one. Yeah. That's a really good one. I must say so myself. <laughs> and we get to go before. before we have a gang symbol for it. Yeah, that feels really right. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, our next segment is called segment, 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 and it's the segment where we talk about things that are not podcast related because we're really dynamic people and we have other interests. Yeah, what's your segment segment this week? You know what? I had a uh, I don't know what to say. Okay, I'm gonna say my original one. <laughs> um, I was I was just gonna quickly say hotel drinks, but we already talked about it. But oh, that's so a good one. Good. But um, so good. Honestly, just right now in New York City, they are getting selling Christmas trees. So you get a fucking... I literally... Wa- you know, I'm like a madman on the streets, like running around, hurrying everywhere. I, running. I have changed my route. Oh. I walk way far out of my way to mm. walk through the tunnels of Christmas trees. Because you get this whiff. Oh, it's so good. Oh, I love Christmas. That's my segment thing. I'm sorry. It's a little broad, but like everything. Jesus's birthday. Listen, I have to tell you, our before we even left for London and Amsterdam, we decked our GD halls. But do you have a real tree? No, we have a little fake. So we have to like be careful because we don't want it to die before the big day. I know, but here's the thing: we have uh, lights strung all up around our room. We Aww. have other lights on the table behind our thing. We have you know ornaments out. We have cute little Christmas day. Like we have a big cute wreath. We have our two stockings that our friend knit us Aww. for our wedding. We we have decked the halls. Well, there are two decorations that we have out all year round. Um, turn around, you find a nativity scene. I do see your nativity scene. Um, and then we have an elf on the shelf. It's the Mexican version. Where's and that? he's in the kitchen. Oh, he's in the kitchen. So like we're kind of like on our no, we're gonna decorate on Sunday. Yes, good. Well, I can't wait to see that. Good good segment segment. I love What's Christmas. What's yours? Uh okay, mine is you have done Instagram accounts before. Mm-hmm. Um, but mine is very special because it is it comes from an avid listener. Oh, yay. I know. So well, okay, I'm not sure if this person actually listens, meaning 
the dog account that I'm about to tell you about. But you all should follow at Mr. Carson Pug, and that's spelled M-R dot Carson underscore Pug. He is, can you believe how cute this dog is? So his friend slash parent, Laura, is a wonderful listener of the podcast and a great friend. Um, And and Mr. Carson's Pug's dad is Jacob. And they're both really great, but you should all follow Mr. Carson Pug. The pictures are really great, too. Yeah, they're all, like, like quality. Like, this is one of those things where it's like, yeah, the dog would be cute no matter what. But, like, the pictures, the photography is, like, really, really good. It's incredible. He's the cutest. And also at their wedding, they had on their like cocktail cards that explained what the drinks were. They had themed illustration, like custom illustrations of Mr. Carson Pug. Uh, So like the margarita, he was like in a sombrero. Oh my gosh. I have to show you them. They were so stinking cute. Um, I'm texting this to DJ Jaywoo right now because he's sitting (laughs) on the couch. Yes. He's going to want a pug now. He's going to flip. Oh, you're definitely going to want a pug after you see this. Check your texts. So check out Mr. Carson Pug on Instagram. And thanks to Laura for being such a loyal listener. Thank you, Laura. We, I love you. Will you marry me? I mean, <gasps> think about it. There will be some paperwork, but like, let's consider. Okay. DJ Jaywoo, DJ did you get the text? I'm like interrupting his work. He's like trying to work. <laughs> He's literally working. This is more on important. real work stuff that pays him U.S. dollars. Isn't it cute? Do you want one? Monty, do you want one? That was a real sincere awe over there on the couch. Yeah. That's Thank our show. You. That's the episode. That's it. We did it. That's all there is. There isn't any more. Thank you. I don't know that. <laughs> I feel like it's from a children's book. And it I feels like, yeah. Matilda. Oh, cute. Boom. Well, thanks to Matilda. Thanks to Raw Dahl, who wrote Matilda. N- Ludwig wrote Matilda. Really? Oh, wait. I was sorry. Madeline. I'm so oh, sorry. Ooh, embarrassing. Sorry. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. That's a Madeline. Madeline. Uh, thanks to Kara, our editor. Thanks to you all. We haven't said this in a bit, but if you could rate us on iTunes, that'd be, be great. Sweet. If you could tell a friend, that'd be great. Be if not, live and let live. I love you anyway. We do love you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.